You know, we are in this, uh, this series called Kingdom Call, Sowing Gospel Seeds, talking about our, the, the potential of, of an expansion, of a building project that would begin in our children's ring, wing because, because we're out of space. And so um, all of us just looking to see what is God calling us to. This morning I want us to look at, at Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses 14 to 20. Faith of a mustard seed. What does it mean to have faith like a mustard seed? That's what Jesus addresses here in Matthew chapter 17. But just a little bit of background on this passage. So Jesus and his disciples, he has called them out of their normal life. So, so they're used to being tax collectors, fishermen, holding um, just normal jobs. And, and God called, Jesus calls them out of that to become his disciples. And so they go from being fishermen who, who know what they're doing every day to, to following him around the countryside and, and listening to him teach. So their lives have been radically changed in these months leading up to this event that we're looking at today. They have seen Jesus healing people and casting out demons. They've watched him teach like no other teacher that, that they've ever heard has taught like. They've seen him take on the establishment and the religious uh, teachers like, like no one else has ever taken on. And, and because of his teaching and because of his boldness and his healing of people, this, this, the crowds begin to grow. And they get bigger and they get bigger. And at one of his teachings, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. And Jesus says, look, sit everybody down. We're going to feed them. And his disciples are like, what do you mean we're going to feed him? There's a bunch of people here. And Jesus said, find me some food. So they have five loaves and two fish, and, and Jesus blesses it, and everybody is fed. They've seen Jesus walk on water. Peter himself has tried walking on water and, and was able to do so for just a little bit until he took his eyes off of Jesus. And just before today's passage, Peter, James, and John, which I'm not sure why the other nine didn't get to go along, but, but Peter, James, and John get to go to the mountain with Jesus. And while they are there with Jesus on the mountain, there's this incredible thing that happens where they hear God speak, they see Moses and Elijah, and all of a sudden Jesus' body is transfigured and illuminated to the point where they're scared, and, and Jesus tells them, look guys, don't be afraid. And when they, when they open their eyes and they get up, it's just them with Jesus. So they've had this incredible stretch of ministry where, where they've also, Jesus had sent them out early in their ministry to, and he gave them the, the authority and the power to heal people and to cast out demons. But they leave the mountain, this mountaintop spiritual experience that they have, and, and they head down into the valley, and immediately when they get down to the valley, they're confronted with, with the evil and the sin that exists in the world in which they live. 
So there's this mob scene that they, that they come down to and, and a father of a young boy comes up to Jesus and, and, and he's wanting him to do something and it picks up here in verse 14. It says, when, when, they came, when, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, but, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus looks at him. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus re rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. And his disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we drive out these demons? Now remember, they had been able to do this. They had earlier in Matthew, you read, where they went out and they cast out demons and, and they healed people. And yet here they're asking, Lord, why, why are we not able to do this? Jesus' reply in verse 20 says, Because you have so little faith. He says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Father, show us from these words what you want us to learn about our faith, whether it be little or great. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Now, now no, the first thing that I noticed as I was, as I was studying this passage was that, that Jesus didn't tell the disciples when he had them by himself that, that they had no faith. He just said, you of little faith. I mean, they must have had some faith or, or they would have never even attempted to cast this demon out of this boy. And this isn't the first time they've done this, but for some reason this time it didn't work. Now, this isn't the first time that these disciples have had a lack of faith. When, when Jesus fed the 5,000, they had a lack of faith. When Peter tried to walk on water, it was, it was little faith that, that kept him from being able to walk on water and taking his eyes off of Jesus. But, but, but I ask myself, what is little faith? What does little faith look like? And, and I think when you, when, you, when you look at it, Little faith is the kind of faith that believes in God, and, and, and all of us sitting here, I hope, believe in God. But little faith says, I believe God. I believe the Lord provides. But little faith can't believe when it doesn't see something. Little faith is when I don't trust God enough to take a leap of faith. You see, great faith, great faith says that I believe God in the middle of the storm. 
I believe God when there's no money in my checking. I believe God when the doctor's report isn't good. I believe God when he invites me into something that is much bigger than myself. Something that requires him to show up. Something that requires great risk. Great faith says, I will do even though I don't know what the outcome will be. Little faith says, I believe God because he's already delivered. Great faith takes great risk. Now most of us are really good with little faith. I'm good with little faith. The disciples were good with little faith. You see, what I find interesting is, is up to this point, they had mostly done, other than this one mission trip that they had been on, Jesus was with them every step of the way. He had walked with them. And so when they couldn't do something or they didn't believe enough, when their little faith showed up, Jesus was always there to, to bail them out, to, to, to cast out the demons or, or to feed the 5,000. But this day, Jesus wasn't with them. Remember, Jesus was, was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and the nine, nine of the twelve were down here and they were trying to cast out a, de a demon and today was different for them. You know, this was something they'd been able to do in the past, but, but today was not that day. And so you ask yourself, what was different about today? I think Mark answers our question. If you go back to, uh, to Mark chapter 9, the same account is there. But, but, but Mark chapter 9, verse 29, when they ask him why they couldn't cast this demon out, Jesus told them that this can only come out by prayer. And some of your translations will say prayer and fasting. So is it possible that, that maybe these disciples started looking at their ministry as, as being more mechanical of, of you know, they had, they had done all these great things. They had cast out demons and healed people and maybe now, maybe they were just mechanical. Maybe they were trying, they were depending on their own abilities to do ministry rather than depending on, on God who had given them the power. Maybe they just got too busy and neglected God during this season. Yeah, maybe they were distracted. Because remember, look, these were guys that, that they were fishermen. Not many people knew them before this time. They were out on boats all the time. And when they came in, they, they sold their fish and... They were just ordinary guys. But all of a sudden, 
these ordinary guys were following and were with the most popular guy in the region. And so they had gotten a lot of recognition. You're the guys with Jesus. You're one of them. And and so the mobs were following them and, and maybe they got caught up in this newfound fame. And maybe they started thinking, we got this. We, we can do this. And they got too busy with themselves and their stuff and, and they forgot to seek the one who gave them the ability to do what they had done. Now, one of the things that, that really struck me this week and, and really caused me to do, to do a heart check was that before I get critical about these disciples and their little faith, what about me? I have faith. But, but, but how big is my faith? Do I persist in prayer the way that Jesus told his disciples that they should do? Remember he said, it's only by prayer that, these, that this demon can be cast out. Did they give up in praying? Do I give up in prayer when, when things get hard and, and, and I don't see change right away in someone or, or one of, something that, that, that I'm challenged with? Do I give up because my faith is small? Because you see, large faith never gives up. You know, we all have those things that are in our circles, like the boy with that was demon-possessed. Maybe not to that level. Maybe we don't know somebody that is demon-possessed, but, but we've got things around us. We've got people around us that need our care, that need us to speak into their lives, that need us to love them, that need us to have large faith. And so I ask myself the question, what are the things that God is inviting me into that require risk? What are the things that God is wanting me to do that requires big faith, but because of my small faith, I'm not, a, I'm not able to accomplish his purposes for my life that will glorify him? What are the things that he's inviting me into that I'm not even willing to attempt because of my little faith? So before I criticize these guys, these nine, for their little faith, what about me? And so I ask the question, what are three things that maybe God has already invited me into 
that requires faith. Maybe it's a relationship with someone who needs Jesus. Maybe it's a strained relationship that needs to be healed. Because you see, those are, those are real things in our lives. And so I thought, and I wrote down the three things. And I said, I want you to do that. I want you to, in your books, and, and everybody should have one of these books, if you don't, pick one up on the way out. And on, on page 12 and 13 is this week's, um, this week's reading. The Faith of a Mustard Seed. And I want you to write three things down that God is impressing upon you right now. That maybe God is inviting you into. Because then the other thing I ask myself is, how much prayer have I invested in those things that God may be inviting me into? It is because of your little prayer, because of your lack of prayer, that you weren't able to accomplish this. What about Dwayne? How much time does Dwayne spend praying for those things that, that, that God is inviting me into? See, I think we all, we all want to be used by God. I believe the disciples wanted to be used by God. I don't think any of us that, that have faith in, in Jesus Christ would say that we don't want to be used by God. But are we willing to put the time and the effort into, first of all, prayer? To lay the groundwork for this work. This thing that God is inviting me into. You see, we see things around us. This is, this is me speaking to me, telling you. I want to see things around me change. I want to see people around me change. But my approach typically is I work as hard as I can. I'm going to do everything that I can. And when it doesn't work in two or three or four weeks... I give up. I say, it must not have been God's will. But then, how much time have I spent cultivating and watering this change I want to see with prayer and fasting? How much of my time am I wasting doing other things? I like watching Netflix. Nothing wrong with that, right? But there is something wrong when I can binge watch for six, not that I don't binge watch, I, I get too bored with that, but but there's something wrong if I spend two hours in an evening watching two episodes of my favorite show and then I say, I just don't have time to pray. 
I just don't, I just, and I hear that, and I say that is, I just don't have time. And I wonder why I have little faith. I wonder why, why I can't accomplish great things for God. Because that kind of can only come out by prayer. See, the things that God invites me into requires prayer, persistent prayer. requires intimacy with God. It requires complete dependence on God. And I believe if we if we take the time to, to develop that intimacy with God, through, first of all, the reading of his word and prayer and listening. There's no doubt in my mind that God can do great things through us. Through us individually and as a body of believers here at the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. Because if we believe... If we invest time in, in, in developing this intimacy with God and, and praying and seeking His will, our faith is going to grow. Because our faith is living. And our faith will be anything but boring. You know, I see so many people that are bored with their faith. They're bored with church. They're bored with worship. They're bored with reading God's word. They're bored with God. But they're not engaged in their faith. Yes, if you don't engage in an intimate relationship with a holy God, I guarantee you, you will be bored. what Jesus is talking about here is an active, growing, healthy relationship with the Holy God that causes us to grow and allows great things to happen through us. And Jesus says this faith is like a mustard seed. It starts really, really small. A mustard seed is a tiny little seed. It starts very small. But it also grows very, very large. Jesus uses the parable of a, of a mustard seed in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took out into the field and he planted it. And it says, though the, it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows... It will be the largest in the garden. And this plant becomes a tree. If you Google a picture of a mustard tree, they'll grow 10 to 15 feet high. They'd be from this little seed. Big things happen. And what Jesus is saying here is, even if you have small faith, 
it can grow large. It can grow larger than you and I ever imagined it would grow. And I believe that there are many things that, that God desires for you and I to experience as followers of Christ. And I believe He desires that we accomplish great things for Him. Mustard tree kinds of things. By His power and for His glory. We sang earlier this morning, take my life and let it be all for you and, and for your glory. When I sing that song, do I really mean it? Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. But what if, what if God asks me to do something that's going to cost me? What if he asks me to go to northern Africa with my young family to share the gospel and leave everything behind? What if he asks me to, to build a relationship with my, with my unbelieving neighbor who's really kind of a jerk? What if he asks me to do that? To invite him to my house for coffee. Take my life and let it be. All for you and for your glory. Our faith will, if we allow it, grow and continue to grow and grow. Now, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Because God asks us sometimes to do hard things. He asks us to do things that, that don't make sense. But that's how we grow. That's how the seed grows. That's how our faith grows. Is when we have to completely depend on Him. It's been seasons in my life when, when I had to, to depend on him, when I didn't know the outcome, that, that I grew the most in my faith. I remember 1997, God asked my, my Verda and, and, and our three children and I to, to go to Rosa Bible College for a year, and that didn't make sense. We, we didn't know how we were going to pay for it, and, and we didn't know who was going to take care of our, of our barn and, and, and how this was all going to work, but we just knew 
This was what we were invited into. And we did it. And, and it was hard. There were seasons of it that, that really were stinky. And there were times we wished that we would have stayed at home. But we never regret that year. We would never redo it. And you know, as I've gotten older in and, and, and these last couple years, uh, and this is, this is what really struck me this week. I don't do that anymore. I do safe things. I do safe things. Things that don't really... You know, if I do them, I'm pretty sure they're going to succeed. But I don't do things that, if God doesn't show up, it's going to be a disaster. That's small faith. That's small. I want us to be a church that exercises great faith. But I recognize that if I'm, if, if I'm going to expect this body to exercise great faith, it's going to require Dwayne to exercise great faith. So where do I begin? I think it's really simple. I begin by pressing in to God. I press into Him. I foster that intimate relationship. And every day I ask, what is Jesus saying to me? And you know what, if you're, it doesn't matter how, if you're, if you're 90 years old, Myra, listen to me, I know, I'm not sure if you're 90, but you can ask this question. What is Jesus saying today? And if you're, Bailey, listen to me, you can ask that question. What is Jesus saying to me? Wade, you can ask that question. Nate, you can ask that question. What is Jesus saying? Dwayne needs to ask that question. What is Jesus saying? And I press into him. But then I also follow that up. As I hear him speak, I have to ask this question. What am I doing about it? What am I doing about it? That's the way we develop great faith. By God working in us and through us to glorify himself. It's going to look different for every one of us. 
great faith looks different. If you're a business owner, great faith may be you just trusting enough to, to, to bless an employee in some way that you know he needs it. You know, if you're, I don't know what your situation is, but, but those are things that you need to be asking. Maybe today Jesus is saying, Go and reconcile. Begin the process of reconciling a relationship that is broken. And you may be saying, anything but that. I'll go to Morocco. But for every one of us, it's something different. But when we together as the body at Fairlawn begin to ask that question of what is Jesus saying and we hear and then we begin to do, we can begin to see mustard trees growing. The kingdom expanding. The sending out men and women into the mission field and into our community and into our neighborhoods and into our places of work and into our schools and God will be glorified. But it begins with, as Jesus said, prayer, intimacy with God. William Carey, who was the father of modern-day missions and who we learned about last week in our Perspectives class, he said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And when, when, when William Carey went, to, went, went overseas, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know that he would spark a great missions movement throughout the world. He was just faithful. And when he went, he expected God to do great things. But he was also willing to attempt great things for God. See, I think... You could say that backwards. You could say, when you attempt great things for God, you will see God do great things. I want us to be a church that expects great things from God and attempts great things for Him. Let's pray. Fathers, we uh, come before you and as we contemplate our own faith on how large or how small that it may be. Lord, my, first of all, pray just this confession of repentance of small faith and prayer that has been neglected an intimacy with you that 
has not been pursued. I pray, Father, together we would pursue intimacy. Take time to foster relationship with you. To hear from you. And to attempt great things for you and for your glory. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.